Good morning. So glad you're here today. Thank you for being here, and I'm so glad you're watching online. It's a, a joy to have you. It's a joy to gather around the Word of God today. And uh, we're in Colossians chapter 3. And, um, you know, the, 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 the Scripture is filled with incredible truths. Um, Jesus said of John the Baptist that of all people born of women, none was greater than him. Well, what a compliment uh, to, to receive that from, from Jesus. And, and you know, the, the, the Apostle John wrote the Gospel of John. And as the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle John, uh, he remembered um, John 3.30. And he wrote those words that John the Baptist stated when he said, He must increase and I must decrease. Now, that's an incredible um, call for you and I, to, as, as followers of Christ, to, to grow up in our faith, to, to recognize that, that the Spirit of Christ is increasing and, and we're decreasing. We are decreasing. And, and, and honestly, as we experience the Christ increasing in our lives, so much happens. We, we experience the, the peace of God. The, we, we start to think right, Right? When, when, when the Spirit of God is increasing, it changes our, our, our thinking. It, it, we start to heal. Uh, we start to stabilize. That's what happens when, when Christ increases in your life. We, we stumble less. And this is a call that we have. We, we live with more focus, more intentionality. And, and, and this is what the Spirit of Christ does as we increase in Him, as we grow up in our faith. Now, over the last several months, we've been looking at the book of Colossians, and it's, a, it's an important letter for us. It's a, it's a letter that was written to a church, Colossae, by Paul when he was in prison, and, and, and you know, like God intended for this letter, it's been passed down. Uh, it, it, was, it was passed around to the churches in the first century, and here we are in 2021, and this letter is continuing to be passed to us. And we're able to, to learn about what God has for us in our lives. And, 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 and in the book of Colossians, we've looked at this. We looked at chapter 1, which it focuses on the main theme. And you can't study Colossians without grasping the main theme of the, of the letter, which is the idea that Christ is not just prominent, but Christ is preeminent. And this is so important to grasp, to understand, because we live in this pluralistic society where, where there's many uh, religious ideas, many uh, people that say there, there's all kinds of roads to God, but the reality is the Bible's clear that there are not many roads to God. That's a narrow path to God. And Christ is not just one of the options. Christ is the only option. The Bible's clear on this. And we've got to understand this. And, and and in, in the main theme of the, of the book of Colossians, chapter 1, deals with the preeminence of Christ. We saw in chapter 2 these warnings and these false teachings that were out there that we need to understand. And now we get into chapters 3 and 4, and we're, and we're getting to understand and, and get a picture of how the preeminence of Christ impacts our daily lives. And this is important. I mean, of course it should do that. I mean, when, when Christ comes into our lives... It, it changes us. It, it impacts the way we live. Now, um, as we look at our passage today in, in Colossians chapter 3, this morning, we're going to see how the preeminence of Christ impacts our family. 
Because it does. Christ has impacted my family. And, and, and here we are today experiencing the Lord impacting our families. And we see this. And, 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 and you know, there's, there's nothing easy about raising a biblical family today. It's not easy to do that. In fact, we're, we're living in this day where we're facing a little more pressure that, hey, you know that biblical family? That's a thing of the past. It's time to update into the modern family. You feel that pressure? You see that? But, but here's the reality. The, the biblical family is not finished, I promise you. And as, as, as you see these, it's just like everything, as, as, as Satan offers a, a false philosophy or, or a false theology, you see the instability of that. And what we'll see over and over again, like we've seen all through history, is when you get out of the Word of God, you get away from God's principles, things get a little more unstable. But the biblical family is... is still strong. And the Holy Spirit continues to move us back to his word to see how he has a plan for our families. And we see this in our, in our passage today. Now, I'm convinced that, that, that biblical families, godly families, don't happen accidentally. They happen on purpose. Now, if you have your Bibles, Colossians 3, we're only going to look at verses 18 through 21 today. But we've got to understand the context of this, of this passage because we, if, you've, if you're new today or you, you're visiting today, we've been kind of tracking through this whole book. And, and that's important to understand the context. That's why I wanted to shape kind of our thinking today that, that we're going to take this piece out looking at God's plan for our family. So would you stand with me and let's read God's word today. We stand in honor of God's word even if you're at home. Let's go ahead and stand in your living room. It's, it's a good posture for us, I think, just to say let's honor this is God's word, not my word, not your word. This is God's to us. Verse 18 says this. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, um, now we understand that when Christ saves us, it, it, Christ is not just part of our life. He's not just part of your life. Christ is your life. And Christ comes and impacts every aspect of your life, your work at home, your work. He impacts you as a, as in your work that you do. He impacts you in your, in your play, in what you do recreationally. He impacts you in, in the way you uh, uh, function in your neighborhood, and he impacts the way you live at home. And this is what, what Christ does. And, 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 and let's be honest with, with, with ourselves this morning. Let's, let's recognize this truth this morning that we see in this passage. Point number one, if you're following along in the notes, is that, is that life at home reveals the depth of your walk with the Lord. And isn't that true? Doesn't your life at home, when, when nobody's looking, when, when you just kind of let your guard down, that reveals your real walk with the Lord. You, you know, the, the gospel has impacted my family my life. Um, 
you know, when I think about this, my, I, I've mentioned before, I grew up on land in Oklahoma that we got in a land run. And, and what's interesting is I think about my family history, my grandmother got all the land. You know why? Because her two brothers, they, they, they didn't know the Lord. Her brothers didn't know the Lord, and, and, um, and, and one was killed in a bar fight, and one committed suicide. They were lost. They were searching. But my grandmother came to know Christ. She, she got saved, and, and, and that's on my dad's side, on my mom's side. When my grandmother Patrick got saved, my great-grandmother Patrick, it changed our whole destiny. It changed our lives. It changed the trajectory of our lives. Because then my grandmother, Hattie, came to know Christ because she followed uh, this I mean, in her, her brother, she saw the instability, she, uh, she got saved, and, and it changed the trajectory. She married Les Wall, who also got saved, this auto mechanic that got saved, and, and it just changed the trajectory of our lives. Some of you, you may be first-generation Christians in your family. Some of you may be like me, and I'm, I'm like third and fourth generation of Christian in my family. And you know what? I've I've experienced the wisdom of the Shema. You know the Shema? You know what that is? Deuteronomy. Uh, I've got it up on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And and this was the command to the Israelites that they said, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a, as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The, the, God's people, God has, God's spirit has always moved God's people to pass on their faith from generation to generation. This is important. And I have seen, even in my family, some that have known Christ and then walked away from the Lord, and we are watching right now how that is changing the trajectory of their of family, of our family. And I want to challenge us to make sure we pass on faith to generations. I mean, my goodness, my daughter got married, and, and, and Emily got a dog. You know what that means? You want us next now that she has a dog? I mean, that's prequel life. I mean, we have to babysit our grand dog, right? Um, and, and soon we're going to have grandkids. I'm going to be married to a grandmother pretty soon. Oh, my goodness. That's, I'm just kidding. That was, that was, that's not my notes. I better get back to my notes. But, but, but you know what? Here's what I want us to see. That home is to be a faith training center. Don't miss this. That's what your home is to be, a faith training center. This is why we are, are, are rabid about having preschool ministry and children's ministry and student ministry here that teach the Bible. We're rabid about that. We're focused on that. Because you, but, but, it, but here's what I want us to understand. It's not just our church. It's in your house. It's in your home that you're to be uh, disciplers. Um, your moms and dads, grandparents, you've got a responsibility in your home to pass on faith. You can't just delegate this to your pastor. 
or your children's minister or your youth minister. Now, we're investing in those, but let me tell you something, mom and dad. You got some, you got a, you got a responsibility that you got to embrace. Home is to be a training center. It's in family. That's where we learn the basic skills of life, right? I've learned don't chew with my mouth open, right? I learned that in family because I was at the table going, mom's like, my mom's like, hey, hey, you're doing that. Don't do that. Whose mom had, were grammar police, you know, who, I mean, my mom used to wear me out with grammar. That's, you're not saying that right. Mom, come on, give me a break. No, you're going to speak correctly, Chris Wall. And she, because home is a training center, right? Well, let's not overlook the most important things about our training, spiritual training, godly training. I mean, goodness gracious, you don't want to just funnel your kids to, um, and just teach them things like math and science and sports. and th- Those are fine. But don't overlook the call to, to teach the things that last into eternity, right? And I watch families and parents just punt on spiritual training, and you must not do that. I must not do that. We must not do that. Don't forget that home is to be a, a place of spiritual, a faith training. Ephesians 6, 4, bring up your children with the discipline and instruction approved by the Lord. Isaiah 38, 19, one generation makes known God's faithfulness to the next. And this is our call that this is the call of home. And, and we see this in this passage. Pa- Paul, in this letter, turns his face to our homes. Here's how you live. This should impact your life. Home, what, what is home supposed to be? Home is supposed to be this, uh, not only a faith training center, home is a shelter from storms, isn't it? Isn't that what home is supposed to be? A shelter from storms? I mean, think about it, most of the games we play, right? What do they say in those games? You, you arrive home when you win, right? And see, this is the, the call of a biblical home. We're to be a place where, where it is a place of, of, of wisdom and security. And, and, and here's what happens when Christ comes into our lives. When he saves us, he transforms our homes. Some of you didn't come from a home where you learned about faith. But look, here you are either tuned in with us online or sitting right here in this room going, God, I'm looking to you because what's happening today? This is not just a religious box we're checking off. And you know what bugs me is for some people, church that's what church is. No, church is this interaction with the Spirit of God, that God's Spirit is moving today. He has you here today for a reason. And I'll tell you, God's Spirit is causing us and calling us to turn our face to our homes and recognize how the Spirit of Christ is moving us to lead our homes to be places of of spiritual growth, of, of spiritual safety. Home is also a place where godly character develops, right? Isn't this where godly character should be developed? Now, there are two things that make up, if, you're, if you want your home to be successful, it's not just money in your bank account. It's not just the ability to do business or, or to study hard. We should do all those things. We should work hard. We should study hard. These are just uh, responsible things. But, but, but first and foremost, I pray that you make sure that Christ is the core of your home. 
that he shapes everything about your home, what you watch, how you, how you interact, how you live, the decisions you make. I mean, I mean, think about Joshua 24, 15. He says to choose this day whom you will serve, he said to God's people. And then what does he say? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I'll tell you what, there, there, for some of you, Today's needs to be a line in the sand that says, well, time out. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And this is my prayer for us. You know, um, uh, having Christ at the center of your home is a key to, to us today. It's a key message to us. Another key is that, is that in the home, we develop godly character, don't we? This is where we should grow up and understand what, what godliness looks like, what it looks like to, to walk with the Lord, because really what will impact your success more in life is not how talented you are, it's who you are, right? It's the character of your life. Godly character is critical, and, and it has to do with what you what you do when nobody's looking. Are you trusting the Lord even when nobody's looking? When you put your guard down, when you go home and just say, I'm just going to be me, that's a good training ground or a good revelation of, of what your walk with the Lord is like. Now, now some of you are going, man, Chris, that, that's, that's a little convicting. Well, you know what? You know what we're learning as, as Christ is increasing in our lives? That we lean into con- conviction, right? We don't push that away. Conviction is a blessing to us. You know, the scary part is if you don't feel conviction. Man, if you can open your Bible and don't feel conviction, you, you ought to look hard at that. I pray you do. Proverbs 2, 7, and 8 says, God stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Guarding the paths of justice, he preserves the way of his godly ones. You know, my son-in-law uh, when he asked for Emily's hand in marriage, we had gone to play tennis and and uh, and we're driving back and and he said, uh, "Can I ask? Can, can I? I just came to hang out with you today because I want to ask for Emily's hand in marriage. Will you allow me to marry Emily?" And I looked at him and I said, "No, I won't." And he was like, oh, "Okay, uh, I, this isn't going well." And and I go, "I won't give you permission, Nathan." And he was like, okay. Uh, and then I said, but I will give you my blessing. And I said, wait, for Robin and I will give you our blessing. And he goes, well, I brought these, these spreadsheets. I want to show you how I'm going to take care of your daughter. And it was so sweet. And I looked at him and I said, man, I love you, Nathan. I don't need your spreadsheets. I don't need to see your spreadsheets. I go, but here's what I want you to do. I, I want to challenge you to walk with the Lord. Because if you walk with the Lord, do you know that you will never beg for bread? I said, if you walk with the Lord, that's all I ask for you. Walk with the Lord. My prayer is that we hear the godly character. It leads you to this, this life that I don't want you to miss. And so let's evaluate this. You know, we're never going to be perfect None of us are, but we got to be people of character. And here's, uh, and here's how you can evaluate your character. Here's four little things. It's not on your notes. It's not going to be on the screen. But, but what do you flee from? What is it that you flee from? That, that's a good question to ask, to determine your character. What, what, what do you follow after? 
This is probably bad grammar because you're not supposed to use these words at the end. Of, so don't tell my mom. She's watching. She'll probably call me. But, but what do you fight for? What is it that you fight for? That's going to represent the godliness of your character. What are you faithful to? Like in all honesty, what are you faithful to? That reveals your character. And God moves us to this. And at home, we're, we're to be, it's this revelation of your walk with the Lord. Second thing is you look at this passage today, home needs to set the example of mutual respect, right? That, that's what home sets. Look at back at verse 18. Um, as we look at what the preeminence of Christ looks like in our families, let's feel this a little bit. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord, the Bible says. Colossians 3 says. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Let's let that sink in for a minute. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents. Notice this, in everything, for this pleases the Lord. You know what? We don't have to wonder, God, what pleases you? He just told us right there what pleases him. And, and you know that word submit? That, that makes a lot of people uncomfortable, especially today. That, that's not very popular today, and it's gotten some bad press right now in our generation. And, and let me tell you what submission is not. When it talks about wives submitting to your husbands, it's not a, agreeing with everything that you're, each other says. It's not what it means. Wives, you don't have to agree with everything your husband says. Believe it or not, Robin doesn't agree with everything I say. I know that. Woo, I know it's crazy. But you know what? It's not Submission is not avoiding um, the opportunity to try to influence one another or change their, your, each other's mind. That's not what that means. It, it's, it's not giving up personal convictions or opinions. That's not what submission means. So submission in for the wife is this divine calling in marriage to honor, to affirm your husband's leadership and to, and to help carry it through and to help serve together. That's what that submission means. You know what headship is? There's a lot of debate. I mean, there's a lot of guys that take this, hey, you submit to me. I'm the head of you. And there's a lot of husbands that I want to look at and go, you're not following what the Bible says. When you're dominating and, and, and being a, a bonehead to your husband, to your wife? Um, headship is not a right to control or neglect. Or, but, but you know what it is? It's this divine calling that you have as a husband to, to care for your wife. To be a Christ-like servant. To be a christ like leader. What, what did Jesus say when, I mean, this is God in the flesh. What did he say? I came not to be served, but to serve. And so let's think about what biblical headship is. It means that you're serving your wife. And so how does this flesh out? What do we, how do we understand this? Well, first thing, I think you can see this, uh, this as yielding 
to one another, right? That, that, that this mutual respect is played out as we yield to one another, as, we, as, as children yield to parents, as husbands love their wives and, and cherish them, as wives submit to husbands. It's this idea of yielding to one another. Isn't that hard to do sometimes? Yielding, you know what yield means, right? We don't do this very well when we're getting on the interstate. We wanna go, brr, 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 I'm not yielding for nothing. You know, right? Especially when the construction happened on 169. How many of you had to repent of G- to Jesus after watching those people cut in front of you, right? Yeah, I know. I saw, I felt it too. I was like, you punk, man, I'm getting over. And, you know, if, you, if you're new to Tulsa or Owasso, they're finished, thank the Lord. But, but it's yielding to one another. That's what that looks like. It's, it's serving one another. That, that's what we're called to do in our families is serve one another. Think about, think about how that would transform your family if you said, how can I serve my family today? Kids, think about how that would impact your relationship with your parents if you think, how can I serve my mom or my dad today? I mean, this... You know what that would do? It builds one another up. That's the call of mutual submission. It builds each other up. And and this is the call we have as followers of Christ. To it's it's this the, the basis of this is 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 selflessness rather than selfishness. And the, and the key to, I think, our walk with the Lord as we grow up in our faith, as we look at the preeminence of Christ as Jesus is Lord. What does that move us to do? It moves us to this selfless vision for life. And, and not, not a selfish, selfless vision, not a selfish vision. And this is important. It's you becoming uh, Christ-centered versus me-centered. I, I would say most families struggle when they get me-centered focuses going on. And you know, as you, as you grow up in your walk with the Lord, well, that's, that's why this preeminence of Christ, it moves us to forgive and to, and to serve and to let go of, of, of wrongs. It, it, it cause, causes us to, to be gentle, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness. Goodness, self-control. I might have missed one or two, one there. Look it up, Galatians 5. But, you know, here's the call. Look back at verse, verse 21. I think this is, we, we, we can't read this without noticing verse 21 here. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Now, now when it comes to understanding the preeminence of Christ in our homes. In our, the, the way that Christ is, is Lord of our, of our life when nobody's looking, when we put our guard down. Point three is something we can't miss. You ready? Fathers, you have a big job. Fathers have a big job in, in the home. Now, some of you are single moms, and you're... Um, but you know what God has provided? He's provided the church to have some men, godly men, in your life. Um, and, and, and I would challenge you to lean in to, to these 
leaders that are around us. And this is the joy of, of being a part of a church with multiple generations. I'm so grateful. Dean and Sylvia Foster are here. I'm so glad y'all are here. Because, you know, you know that many of us are standing on the shoulders of men like Dean Foster and, and Earl Spicklemeyer and Ruthie and Sylvia. We're standing on their shoulders because they've sacrificed for this church. They, they've given and they've, they've provided and they've, they've been a part of this ministry that we get to, uh, I mean, most of us didn't build this building or buy these, this property that we're on. It's people that went before us, you know? I'm the ninth pastor of this church. I mean, in the scheme of history, nobody's going to remember the ninth pastor. They're going to have to go look it up. But, but you know what? It's okay. It's not my story. It's not your story. It's God's story in this place. And we're going to get to heaven and go, goodness gracious, we got to be a part of God's story in Tulsa, Oklahoma. In the time of a pandemic and in a time when when God entrusted us to these crazy days and these interesting days. God's moving in our lives, in our church. But fathers, you've got a big job. You know, you you could really notice, I mean, it could be parents. I mean, you, this, is, this is true for moms and dads, but, 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 but dads, I don't want us to miss this calling to, to personally teach God's word. You realize that's your calling, right? You may go, Chris, I'm not a theologian. Yes, you are. Everybody's a theologian. Everybody is. Theolo- you, you may not have walked in today going, I'm a theologian, but let me tell you something. Everybody has theology. What is theology? The study of God. Everybody has theology that they teach. And dads, it is your job to teach the Word of God. And if you don't feel that weight, allow me to help you feel it today. Because in no way would I be a responsible pastor if I tried to take that weight off of you? Because I look in the mirror, and you know what's scary about being a pastor? My kids hear me preach. And you know what? The, one of the best ways to royally mess up my children is to get up here and preach in a way that I don't live when I shut my door and none of you see me because they see me. And I'll tell you what, dads, it's time to step up and feel the weight of being godly men in our homes, godly husbands. And, and, and you know, here's, here's what I want you to see. We've got to set a godly example. This is what we've got to do. Make the Bible a part of your life. You don't have to be an expert in the Word to read it. Study it. Turn your face to it. I mean, I mean, goodness gracious, I hope your kids are, are, are hearing you pray and, and seeing you pray. Not that you're doing it in front of them, for them, but, but I'll tell you, they ought to walk in on you praying. They ought to see you praying. They ought to know what you're praying for them. You ought to set a godly, godly example in your life. 
and this is a convicting thing, but it's that old truth that's been around a long time that what, what parents do in moderation, kids will do in excess, right? We've learned that. And so we, we got to pay attention to the example we set. Now, now look, we're not going to be perfect. But, but, but you know what? Don't try to be perfect. If you try to be perfect, that's going to mess your kids up even more. Just be a man or a woman that turns your face to the Lord. And this is what, what God's word says. This is why it says, let's look at it again. Let's look at this passage again. It says, let me go back to it. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. And lastly, you think about moms and dads, and, but dads too. You've you, you, you got to become an expert in your family. You've got to become an expert. In your, you're an expert in your family. You know, we were with a, a nice counselor one time at school, and nice lady. And she looked at my daughter and said, you can do anything you want. And I appreciated her, hey, dream big. That's good. But we left that meeting, and I said, hey, I just want you to know, that wasn't true. You can't do anything you want. You can't. But let me tell you something. God has something for you to do. And you know what my prayer is, my my role is as your dad, is to help you understand what God has prepared you to do. But I appreciate the, uh, let's just be honest. We we live in a world that not everybody gets a trophy, and, and you can't do anything you want. But guess what? We still should dream big, and we still should trust the Lord for big things. But let's not, let, as parents, let's, let's help shape our kids to understand God's will for their life, God's plan for their life, how God has equipped, equipped them, how God has prepared them. That's our call as parents, as grandparents. That's our role in our family. That's why Proverbs 22.6 says, train a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will, not, he will not depart from it. Now, the usual understanding of this is train them in the way of God. Now, that's not a bad uh, idea, but, but really the New American Standard gets it right. It says, train up a child according to his way. That's how the New American Standard says that. And, and it basically is the idea that each child is different. You should, you should help our, we should help our children understand how God made them, how God has equipped them, how God has prepared them, the role they are to play in the kingdom of God. Because I'll tell you what, we all have a role to play in the kingdom of God. As a mom and as a dad, it's our call to help Help them understand that. And it says, when they're old, they will not depart from it. Now, the Hebrew of that passage in Proverbs, it's not just talking about when they're like on a, in a walker coming back. See, I'm coming back to the Lord. Uh, no, it's when, it, it kind of means when they have hair on the chin, they're not going to walk away from it. When, when, they, when they get to maturity. You know, my son now has hair on his chin. His mom hates it. But I'm like, hey, cool, you got a beard, man. You don't hate it? Oh, sorry. She likes his beard. Um, but she loves him. But, 
but it, it sorry, I'm sorry. Um, she loves her son, so she does. Um, <laughs> it's, it's tough preaching when your wife's on the front row, let me tell you. <laughs> I got to tell you. <laughs> you get that instant feedback that she's like, eh. <laughs> the point is, it's our job as parents to train our kids. And let's not miss that. Now, kids in the room, do not miss verse 20. Look at verse 20. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Kids, do you realize that your, the rules your parents set, it's not to mess you up. It's like when Maggie was little and, 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 and I was trying to, she was like, I want to do this. And I was like, no, you can't. She was like, why, Dad? Why? Why? And I got on my knees and I looked her in the eye and I said, because I want you to be miserable, Maggie. I want your life to be miserable. That's why you can't do that. And she looked at me and she goes, no, you don't. And I go, you're right. I love you. I love you. And sometimes we look at God's guidelines and we say, God, Why? Why? And if we're really honest, God doesn't want your life to be miserable. No, he is walking with you. He's preparing you. He's leading you. Let's understand that about God. But but kids, you're called to obey your parents in the Lord, in everything right here. It says, for this this pleases the Lord. So the bottom line is this, as we wrap up today. Is Christ, Christ, when he saves you, He's Lord of you. He's Lord of your home. You know where that starts? That starts with a relationship with God. That starts when Christ comes into your life. You know, the Bible says that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. That each one of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. That Christ took Chris Wall when I wanted to go my own way and, say, and, and I just wanted to do my own thing. And he helped me recognize that I was a sinner and I needed a savior. And I want you to know you need a savior too. You need a savior. That's the greatest need in your life. But, but what, So come to Jesus. Trust and know the life that God has for you. I know most of us in this room, you're like, I know Christ. Then grow up in your salvation. Learn the joy of Christ increasing in you. When John wrote, he must increase and I must decrease, don't miss the joy of that relationship with God. Some of you today need to get on your knees and say, Lord, I'm a dad and I need to I need to be a godly father. Some of you need to come and get on your knees and thank the Lord for changing the trajectory of your family. And just get on your knees and go, God, thank you for allowing me to be a second generation follower of you or a fourth generation or whatever that generation is. Thank you, Jesus. Now help me add to a generation. That needs to be some of your prayer. Let me tell you something. God is calling us to respond. And I'm going to be down front, and and our altars are going to be open for us to pray. 
And let's not miss the moment here of the Spirit of God drawing us and speaking to us and interacting with us. Don't miss the moment in your living room by just going, let's just turn it off now, church is over, without stopping and responding to this moment. And if you're online, that response could be, there's somebody ready to talk to you. We'd love to do that. We'd love to connect with you. If you need Christ, if you just need someone to pray with you. But let's not miss the moment today. Let's not miss the Spirit of God today. Let's build a family that lives in the preeminence of Christ. Would you stand where you are? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word, how it shapes us, how it convicts us. And Father, move us now. Move us to repentance. May, may repentance be our, our highest praise to you, Lord. Father, we, may, may you help us lean into conviction. Would you move us to pray, Lord? Would you move us to respond right now? In Jesus' name, amen. Our altars are open. We invite you to come.